You're right, guys. Welcome to Jesus Unfiltered, Durham CU's new podcast about how we make sense of Christianity in the modern world. I'm Joseph Knight, a third year studying history at Durham. And I'm Judith Holmes, a second year theology student. In this podcast, we want to chat about 21st century issues in a Christian context, have a look at what the Bible has to say about them, and join in with some important conversations. Today we're joined by Laura Young and Jack Wakefield, both of whom work for Tear Fund, a Christian organisation and charity passionate about ending global poverty. And they're here to chat with us about the climate crisis and about whether God cares about climate change. If I know one thing about God is that God hates injustice um, and probably isn't okay with us passing this one out. Yeah, hi guys, and um, thank you for being here. Uh, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourselves? I can go first. Um, the joys of doing a virtual podcast, not knowing who goes first. Yeah, hi everyone. My name's Laura Young. I am from Glasgow. I work for Tear Fund, so I work in the advocacy and campaigning team, and I. My job is all surrounding COP26, this big climate change conference that will be happening next year, November 2021. After a year of postponement, it will be happening. Um, yeah, that's kind of the quick introduction to who I am. And I'm Jack Wakefield. I also work at Tear Fund. I'm in the campaigns team and I also do some work with the youth and young adult team as well. Um, so working closely with Laura about what it looks like for churches and Christians to um, engage with what it means to love our neighbours and care for God's creation in the face of the climate crisis. Amazing. Um, it's so great to have you guys both here um, and talking about um, such an important issue um, with us. So like you mentioned, a lot of your work um, is surrounding the environment and surrounding the current climate crisis. Um, for those who are listening who maybe don't entirely know what's going on, um, do you want to tell us a bit about what the current climate crisis is and what's happening across the world? Um, and what are some of the causes um, of this current crisis? I mean, yeah, huge question. Where do you begin? Um, I think the climate crisis is huge. It's also really intersectional. It has a whole lot of faces to it. And actually, depending on where you are in the world, climate change, the climate crisis, it will look different. So if you're, you know, in Kiribati or in the Pacific Ocean, climate change looks like rising sea levels. If you are up in Stonehaven in Aberdeen, it looks like landslides. If you're in America, it looks like worsening tropical storms. If you're in Afar, Ethiopia, it looks like drought. And so the climate crisis is really complex because it looks so different across the world. But ultimately what the climate crisis is, and maybe climate change is another way we've heard about it, is the way that our world is changing in some places rapidly because of anthropogenic, so human things that we're doing. And most of that can really be pinpointed down to resources, things that we do on the earth that are not good. So pulling up oil from the ground, from under the ocean and from uh, places across the world and burning it as a fossil fuel and sending out carbon, sending out carbon emissions into the atmosphere, warming our planet, but having all these really complex things that happen. So the climate crisis is huge and complicated and looks really different, but I think what makes this conversation so urgent is the fact that often when we think about climate change, we think about maybe melting ice, rising seas, we maybe think about crops changing, but actually climate change is having human impacts as well. It's having economic impacts. It's having impacts on health, 
on agriculture, on food systems, on the economy in many places. So when we have this conversation, it's not just about birds and animals and, you know, it's actually about us like humans. Um, that feels like a very broad overview, but it touches on so many things. Pretty strong start, though. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that's really shocked me as I've engaged with this is that the climate crisis isn't some future theoretical threat that we might one day see that scientists are predicting, but it's actually something that we already see in all of the ways that Laura was just describing. Um, if we just take this year for an example, we started with the huge wildfires in Australia where like three billion animals died or displaced. Um, we've had um, the wettest February ever recorded in the UK, which resulted in loads of flooding across the Midlands. We've had the driest ever May, um, and we've just come out of the hottest decade ever recorded, um, with the second half of that decade being the hottest five years ever. And so the climate crisis is a current reality for all of us. Um, and as Laura was saying, it's caused by the ways that we've um, burned and relied on loads of fossil fuels. And um, the fuels that we use and the way that we've um, run our economy means that we've got increasing levels of um, carbon emissions and um, other greenhouse gases, which kind of, as they build up, they create a thicker and thicker blanket around the planet, which traps in the heat and get, is why we're getting warmer and warmer. Um, so at the most basic level, the cause of the climate crisis is this reliance on fossil fuels in industry, in agriculture, in the way that we run all of our society, um, the way we heat our homes and travel um, and everything else. Um, but at a deeper level, the climate crisis is part of a much broader environmental disaster. So at the same time as we're seeing these temperatures rise, we're seeing uh, species go extinct at a rate um, unlike any other. Um, we're seeing um, yeah, wildlife really pushed to the brink and the the intricate systems that God has designed in our world being pushed to their limits or beyond them. Um, and I think you can probably sum up a lot of those causes to this kind of extractive relationship that we have with people and the planet. Um, this idea that the earth is just here for us to use and dispose of, or that people who don't look like us are there for us to, to use and dispose of as well. Like, these roots of extractive culture are the roots of colonialism and slavery and the climate crisis. And so if we dig deeper, we see that actually the way that we've abused people and planet is at the root of this. And we need to get our relationship right with the world that God has created and with our neighbours, because ultimately it is our neighbours who are suffering already. People are being pushed back into poverty. World hunger has been increasing since 2015 every year because of climate change, because of droughts and storms and floods. Um, and so this really is an urgent call for us as Christians to say, we have to model what it looks like to love our neighbours and care for God's creation much better. Yeah, yeah, I think there's no denying that it is, uh, it's both an environmental and ecological disaster, but also a human one, you know. It's got human costs and, and, and costs that affect, you know, like you were saying, Jack, um, people and planet um, but you know you get um, some people maybe even Christians you know in Revelation it talks about uh, new heaven new earth um, and, and a new creation for us to abide in for us to um, you know uh, to enjoy um, when Jesus comes again uh, and it begs the question for many um, you know 
why do we need to take care of, of, of this earth? Well, you know, why do we need to protect this planet? Why should we care that such an environmental disaster is going on at the moment? Yeah, and I think it's a good question. Like, if we think like, oh, like, what's, what's it matter? Like, we're just going to get a new one later. Um, I think there's a couple of responses. I think, A, we need to go back to our Bibles and think, what does it actually teach us um, about what the what heaven is like and what um, God is doing in this world? And I think when we return to scripture, we see that from the very beginning, God values and delights in his creation. He calls it very good right at the beginning. Um, and he creates us so that we might tend uh, the garden he's formed. Um, and then we see God's promises for us, but also all of creation, all the way through the Bible. Uh, after the flood, um, God's covenant is with Noah and with all of creation and the animals. Uh, when you go to Leviticus, the laws that God gives to what it looks like to live in a godly nation are for people, but also for animals and the plants. Uh, this idea of Sabbath was there just as much for the cattle as it was for the Israelites. And so you see like God's commitment to his creation all the way through. And you see his delight in it as well, how much he enjoys it. When you read the Psalms, or my favorite bit of the Bible is the last few chapters of Job, when God finally speaks. And God kind of takes Job on this tour of all creation. He says, look at all of these different things I've created. Look how good they are. Look how amazing this world is. And he spends most of his time talking about uh, creatures and creation that have no direct benefit to us, not like cattle and horses, but wild things that God delights in and enjoys. And we see Jesus has an intimate knowledge of creation too. He spends so much of his time while on earth pointing out the birds, pointing out the uh, relentlessness of weeds or the power of a mustard seed and showing us of how much he knew about creation and what we can learn about God's character from it. So I think as we read scripture, we see God's deep commitment to what he has created. Um, and then if you head to places where it describes what God is doing, what Jesus was doing on the cross, you discover that, um, that there was way more than just personal salvation for me going on in that moment. Uh, but this was a much bigger, much more exciting moment for all of us. If you think about the cross, the, all, the whole of creation reacts to that moment. The skies go dark, um, the ground shakes. Like There's so much going on in all of creation. Um, and in John, in John's account of the resurrection in chapter 20, John is hinting to us again and again about how this is a moment that encapsulates all of creation, that this is about the redemption and restoration of all things. The chapter begins with um, early in the morning on the first day of the week while it was still dark, echoing what we see in Genesis. And then in case we miss it, when Mary is crying outside the tomb, Jesus comes to her and says her name. But before he does, uh, John says, um, that Mary thought he was the gardener, again, reminding us of the gardener who walked in the cool of the evening breeze in Genesis 3. And if we fail to miss it twice, then uh, John does it one more time as well, when Jesus meets with the disciples in the upper room. And Jesus comes to them and he lets them touch his wounds. And then, he, and then it says he breathes the Holy Spirit into these terrified disciples. And they go out and they preach the gospel and see the church begin to grow. And that moment of breathing life into his people is just like what we see in Genesis 2, of God breathing life into Adam for the first time. And so what we see in this um, amazing resurrection moment is that Jesus is doing something for each of us, but also for all of creation. That this, John is saying that this is the beginning of the new creation. This is the beginning of the mission to restore everything that sin has broken. 
Um, and we see that in Colossians and in Romans and in loads of other places. That actually, we're called to pray your kingdom come. And then we see the fullness of heaven's restoration descend on earth when we get to Revelation. And so part of it is getting our theology right and of being actually, this gospel is way more exciting than just like a personal individual ticket to heaven somewhere else. But then there's also the immediate need of this is a justice issue. And regardless what, of what happens at the end, um, this is about loving our neighbours today. Um, I might stop talking and let Laura pick that one up. I mean, amen, right? I don't really know what I could add to that, but I think exactly what Jack has said, grounding it in theology, but this this argument, this perspective, I love to think about it because we don't apply this to any other biblical thing, right? So like in the Bible, we're told, look after your bodies, they're a gift from God. We don't trash them, even though we know they're not coming with us. We don't frivolously throw away our money and spend on ridiculous things. And we tithe because guess what? The Bible tells us that actually this is kingdom finance, provision from God, and we're instructed to look after it, care for it, and use it for God's work. So we don't do it with that. We don't trash our cathedrals and our churches. And we don't. So I, I never understand this concept that, like, okay, so all of these things we're going to look after, but the world, no. I mean, it's like the first thing that God does is create this amazing big thing for us to live in. And then turns around and goes, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Oh, that's very good. And then, like, you know, in the first few pages of the Bible, tells us to look after it. I don't really know an argument more than that. Because I think there's sort of the two-pronged argument for looking after the environment. So there's the one that's the creation care, just the do it because it's the right thing, do it because God created it, do it because we were told to. Black and white, lots of theology behind that. But then the second thing is exactly what Jack touched on. This doesn't just impact the planet. It's people. All we need to do is look at love, love your neighbour and just know that we're not. Know that we're not and acting on it. But yeah, Jack, I, yeah. I can't add to that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Like, even if you disagree with this kind of eschatology that I think is really clear in the scripture, um, this is just a matter of loving our neighbours. I was reading Romans the other day and it talks about how uh, love does no harm to its neighbour, but actually the the ways that we live and the ways that we've set up our society are doing incredible harm to our global neighbours. And like, if I know one thing about God, is that God hates injustice um, and probably isn't okay with us passing this one out. Like, if we don't engage with this, we're like the priest and the Levite who walked past the injured man in the Good Samaritan story saying, actually, this is for someone else to pick up. And like Jesus makes it pretty clear, we can't walk by when we see injustice. Our neighbours are suffering, our neighbours are hungry and thirsty um, and facing huge, um, unprecedented disasters. We have to engage just for the most simple reason of loving our neighbours and loving God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and with that, as you were saying, you know, we can't just walk by and we can't just leave this. We need to be taking action and we need to be engaging so um, I guess particularly as students um, in our current situation, what can we be doing? Um, what does engaging and taking action look like in this scenario? I feel we could give like the really short tier fund answer, but I actually love it, which is pray, act, give. I feel it covers all the bases. Um, but I think as Christians, as people, the first thing we can ultimately do is pray about it. Like realize that this is an issue full stop realize this is an issue that christians should be dealing with and actually often leading in you know we should be leading we should be leading this space um 
and ultimately what do we do we pray about it because we know that god can and will help us in this and he is walking alongside us in this so i would say the first thing is pray dedicate yourself some prayer to it particularly when it feels like too much like particularly when you think right i'm absolutely drowning in news about this or about you know just pray like get on your knees and pray about it because actually that's where we will also hear from god and hear his wisdom and clarity and where he wants us to go i think we can act act as individuals but also we always go on about this but like it's a system that's broken we are part of that as individuals but we also are all part of bigger things we're part of home groups, CUs, friend groups, workplaces, universities, schools, families. We're all in these systems within the system that is broken and we can make change on so many levels. And no level is better or worse because actually we all need to start somewhere. I'm sure we'll eventually give you some suggestions, but <laughs> you know, like in terms of just doing something, start somewhere, see your influence. Um, I've got some ideas, but I'll tell you in a minute. And then the third one, give. Like we are extremely, many of us, privileged to be where we live, to be in the circumstances that we're in. And one of the things that we have is resources, whether that's time or money. And, you know, we can move that. We can move that around to help this. Sometimes that's individually. We can live a way that's different. Or maybe that's tithing. Maybe that's, you know, donating. Maybe that's something else. Um, but I love summarizing it in that pre-act give because it just makes people stop and think. And sometimes when it feels overwhelming, pick one of the three. Um, I could give you loads of suggestions, but Jack, have you got anything to add? <laughs> no, I think that's solid. Like it has to begin in prayer, doesn't it? Like this is a huge crisis. Um, loads of people are already facing the full like force of it. But um, we know a God who can do more than we ask or imagine, and it would be crazy to begin anywhere else than in prayer. Um, we know the God who loves creation, the God of justice, the God who can do um, more than we ever expect. And so we obviously want to begin there. Um, yeah. And in terms of helping you to pray on that, um, at Tear Fund, we've um, been running a weekly WhatsApp message about climate change with some points for prayer on every week. Um, which is just a helpful way to think about specific things to pray for when it's such a big situation. Um, and we've made a prayer room resource with some creative ways to pray um, by yourself, with your bubble or with others, if we're ever allowed to do that again. Um, and both of those are on our website at um, tearfund.org forward slash pray for climate. Um, so I'd definitely agree with beginning with prayer. And when it comes to acting, I think, um, yeah, we can begin with our with our own lives. This is part of our worship to Jesus. Like um, people sometimes say like, oh, like making change your own lifestyles isn't a big enough uh, thing. Like this crisis is too big. It's too urgent. Like stop wasting time on your own life. But actually as Christians, like we're called to be faithful, whether or not that is effective. Um, and we are called to offer our whole lives in worship. I love in Romans 12, where it talks about um, Romans 12, 2, it says, take your, um, I'm moving between the message and the NIV in my head. Um, in the message version, it says, take your everyday ordinary life, your eating, sleeping, going to work, walking around life and place it for God as an offering. And it's just such a perfect illustration of what it means to live a whole life of worship and to offer every decision, however mundane, as an opportunity to worship God and say, actually, how can I live in a way that 
um, honors God, respects his creation and loves our neighbors. And there's loads of ways we can do that in our own lives. And by doing that, we point people to the God of creation. We model what this coming kingdom looks like and we begin to influence the systems around us. As we start to live differently, other people get a glimpse of it and want to join in. Um, and it influences the companies and the businesses that we're trying to push for change as well. If we say, actually, I've made these changes and I want you to change too, it can have an impact. Um, so I'd say there are probably three big areas to think about in your own life if you want to think about reducing your emissions the most. And that would be like the way that we travel. For many of you listening as students, that's a really easy one to do, walking and cycling rather than uh, driving, but also like um, choosing not to fly much when flights start happening again. Um, that is the biggest thing we can reduce, uh, do to reduce our own carbon footprint is just choosing not to fly. Um, so the way that we travel, um, then the way that we eat. Um, so unsustainable agriculture um, is responsible for a huge part of emissions, uh, mass produced uh, meat, especially red meats like beef and lamb. Um, and if we can reduce how much meat we eat and shift to more seasonal and organic foods um, and much more vegetarian or plant-based food, then that'll make a big difference. Um, I'm not quite a vegan, um, but I eat mostly veggie and I enjoy meat as like a moment to really celebrate with family and friends. So if someone's got a job promotion or it's someone's birthday, we'll celebrate with a meat meal and it feels like such a moment of thanking God for what we've been given. And that feels like that works for me and is part of my worship to God of reducing meat um, from my everyday life, but really enjoying it as a celebration. Um, but work out where on that um, spectrum you want to be, but reducing how much meat we eat and changing the way that we eat has a big difference. Um, and then, so how we travel, how we eat, and then how we um, power our homes is another big area. So if you're in um, your own flat or some kind of rented accommodation this year, you can switch your power supply, like if you are the ones who pay the bills. And um, when I was a student, we switched to bulb and had 100% renewable electricity in our flat. And it was a similar price to what everyone else was paying, uh, but it meant that we weren't relying on fossil fuels for our lights or our power. Um, and that was a really simple, easy thing to do um, and can often save you some money too. So they'd be the three big areas I'd say in your lifestyle. I would totally agree. And I think one of the most important things is, it's around that point of like, can we make a difference as an individual? I think it's exactly what Jack said, like, yeah, one person maybe doing one thing is not going to change the world, but maybe look and see where you might get to in six months time, a year's time. And, you know, particularly for university students, if you have just joined a university or you've got, you know, a year or two years, three years left, what kind of impact could you have there leaving? You know, because like, I'll just like a personal anecdote for me is I kind of started to think about sustainable living two and a half years ago and it started with like refusing a straw in a cocktail but just this summer I was lobbying my MP about a green recovery from Covid. Now if you told me two and a half years ago okay I need you to go and lobby your MP about this issue I would have been like absolutely not I'm not ready I don't know enough who am I to do that oh absolutely not and it would have freaked me out but it's because I've been picking things like slowly you know it starts with changing your energy provider or getting some clothes from a charity shop or picking a vegan meal when you're out for dinner. Like all these small things help you gain your own confidence and being able to speak about it 
um, and give you that really like holistic lifestyle that, that get you ready for it. And actually some of the biggest impacts we can have is being an influence in the spaces that we're in. And you get like, I, I wish people knew more about how much influence we have as individuals, particularly like university students. You guys are funding these institutions. You have a say, like you have a voice and don't miss the opportunity like while you're there to demand better. You've also got a large group of people who like love a good campaign, got a bit of free time, like students love to get, you know, riled up about something. So why not do it for this? And why not try and get like long standing change? But equally, you're hopefully everyone's going to go and join institutions and companies and brands and workplaces where you can also take these values into. And so it looks so different for everyone. But even just having this mindset of like little things add up, you'll be surprised by the amount of change that's happened just because one individual decides to be vocal about what they want to change. And so, yeah, I'm always up for people just starting and even if it's the small things. And be vocal about it, too, like. Doing this in our like own quiet lives is great and it's part of our worship um, and will help to transform our own hearts and lives. But be vocal about it too. Like tell your parents and your grandparents and your friends and your church leaders and other people that this is part of the journey that you're going on. And you'll be surprised at the impact that that has when you say that actually this is me living out my faith and loving Jesus in the best way I can. You'll inspire other people to go deeper on their journey with Jesus as well. Um, yeah, be vocal about it is a really important part of this, I think. Um, and as we do that, we'll find people who know more about it than us or who have some like really creative ideas about what we can do together. Um, there were people in my halls, we were catered, which uh, felt like such a luxury. And we um, campaigned for a meat-free Monday um, in our halls. So um, everyone started eating vegetarian or vegan on Mondays, which was like a small start, but got a really good conversation going. Um, there are students who campaign for the institution of their university to fully divest from fossil fuels. So saying, actually, I don't want any of the university's money or investments going into fossil fuels. Um, and that's one way that we can be really vocal about this as well, of pushing for the, the places that we do have influence on, say, actually, can you do something about this? Um, and maybe we can do that in our own churches as well and say, what can we do in our church to better care for God's creation? Can we fast track through eco church and do some amazing things while um, you're a student? Or can we um, declare a climate emergency and say, actually, as Christians, this really matters to us? Um, so there's loads of things that we can do um, by being vocal about it, too. Yeah, yeah, that's all so helpful, guys. Um, you know, just, uh, I mean, you kind of already touched on it already, but um, can you recommend any helpful resources? Uh, you know, they can be Christian or non-Christian, doesn't really matter. Um, you know, for people who want to explore this topic further um, and want to get practical-minded with it. I mean, I've not seen it yet, but that new Zac Efron thing looks great uh, on Netflix. People keep talking about that. Um, but I think one of the, one of the, best places you could probably actually start with is social media it's a great like toe in the water just to learn about things and hear about different movements or different local groups that are maybe happening nearby so simply following some hashtags can really get you a lot of information and maybe make it feel less overwhelming um, to kind of begin but I think there are like there's loads of Christian books about this 
There's some by Ruth Valerio, some by Dave Bookless. Um, there's also lots of podcasts that you can listen to. Tier Fund have got a whole bunch of resources, actually. We have a blog called something like 25 Climate Resources or something like that. Totally butchered the name. But there is so much, there's so much out there. But then you can also just watch things like Blue Planet or Planet Earth or, you know, even these kind of documentaries that get you thinking about it a bit more and then depending on you know what you enjoy reading you know maybe you want to get your teeth into the IPCC report like that's chewy and scientific and tells you about the climate crisis but you know for everyone there's a different angle that you can take on it. So pretty recently Tear Fund has launched a new campaign um, called the Reboot Campaign um, and so we're calling on the UK government to um, make plans for our recovery out of coronavirus on the other side of the winter um, to be one that gets us on track to tackle climate change, to reduce all of our emissions and to create loads of green jobs and to care for creation here and around the world. Um, and so as part of that, we've joined with the Climate Coalition, which is loads of um, organisations that care about the environment from the National Trust to um, all sorts of different organisations. And uh, Tear Fund are part of that. And we're, we're making a declaration together, which you can sign if you go to www.tearfund.org forward slash reboot, you can add your voice to that campaign and say that actually we want the government to change direction as we reboot after coronavirus. Um, so that'd be one way. And on that webpage, you'll find links to um, ways to pray and resources for your church, like model talks and videos and things if you want to get your church on board. Um, that would be one place that I would suggest. There's also a fact sheet on there. So um, like a two side summary of climate change for people who just want like the very basics and a place to start, um, which you could use again in your church or uh, with your small group or with others. Um, and yeah, the We Are Tear Fund podcast would be near the top of my recommendations for just engaging with what it means to follow Jesus and to pursue justice. And there's some solid episodes about disruptive activism and the climate crisis on that podcast. Um, yeah, they would probably be my top places to go. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, that's all the questions we have. But if there's anything else you guys want to discuss, think would be really helpful to chat about. We are so happy to do that as well. Thank you for having this conversation and bringing it into a new sphere maybe it's a new way I know this podcast is new but this conversation is probably also new and I think it's so important that we branch this out because um, we need to also change what it looks like to be an activist in general and change what it looks like to be a climate activist and an intersectional activist and so having these conversations is yeah so important so probably just like a thank you for bringing it um bringing it to light and having us on because it has been great to chat with you guys about it We've both been really encouraged and challenged by what we've chatted to Jack and Laura about today. If you have any more questions, feel free to go to the Durham CU website, Instagram or Facebook page for more information. Join us next week where we'll be talking to Chanae McDonald, who's head of media and PR at Christian Aid, about why racism still exists in churches that claim to be accessible for all and how the church should be responding to racial injustice.